Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumbrenner alongside Brennan Quinn here. Uh, via Zoom, anyway, not alongside. I should correct <laughs> I should correct that here on a Wednesday. Brendan, late February. It's almost March. How are we doing? We got to get some shots, man, so we can... And not, like, the, the shots we used to take. <laughs> the new shots. <laughs> so that we can get in the same room again, man, and get the band know, back right? together. And yeah. Do this the right way. Got to do something. So at some point here before, uh, you know, the world ends yeah. or whatever else. Yeah, but big time. It is nearly March, late February, a lot going on in college hoops. Uh, Brennan's a busy guy right now, obviously, and we want to stick with that today for today's topic. Uh, figured we'd talk some Juwan Howard uh, and some Michigan basketball, sort of do a deep dive on, you know, how that's all sort of got to the place it's at, but... Can I can we... I just say, I did not expect yesterday's Michigan State-Illinois game to come with a Tiger Woods car crash sidebar. Well... Did not see that coming. <laughs> I was oh going to say... Uh, Unbelievable. You, you had that happen at what? like? Uh, well, I didn't have that or... happen. That well, happened right. to him. <laughs> Tiger it, it, it obviously changed him. my work day, but holy yeah. shit. That was some scary <laughs> stuff, man. So what's happened? Is he... Uh, it's just legs, legs, uh, leg injuries, it's, right? Or is it he... sounds really bad, though. Um, yeah. I, I think but he's okay otherwise. It's not like he's I think in terms of life-threatening, yeah. I yeah. think that that's, that's not on the table, um, which good, it certainly seemed like originally in the, uh, right. in the very immediate aftermath, you know, in terms of like people on, wanting, who, you know, I know listen to this show and we talk about kind of how the sausage gets made a lot, you know. That's when mm-hmm. there's conversations internally where you're like, okay, do we need to start working on this? Do we need to start yeah. working on this if and if this and if this? And you're just like, what is happening right now, mm-hmm. right? It was crazy flashbacks to Kobe last year. Yeah, Same month, uh, almost 50, like 50, 55 miles away from each other, mm-hmm. the two incidents, yep. which is crazy. Uh, so yeah, that was just, that was a day. But hopefully, you know, he'll be able to, have the use of his legs again and be able to still be a, you know, a, a, a able-bodied father, I think for his kids yeah. is easily by far the the most pressing question now, as opposed to, you know, golf and all that shit. Forget that. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's make sure the guy can still uh, be a healthy father to his kids. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes, obviously, uh, in the coming days here. But before we get into Juwan and Michigan, um, you mentioned Michigan State, Illinois last night, uh, which Michigan State... Gets a big win there. Actually helps Michigan out. Off the bat. Bi- yeah, in this Big Ten it. race. Um, Michigan State, Brendan, do they have a chance here to uh, to get into this thing? Or are they, are they dead in the water? I think so. In previewing the Illinois game yesterday on, you know, radio shows and doing the pod with Dylan... You know, the, the way that I was kind of characterizing it was like, all right, you know, there's six games left for Michigan State. They're obviously well on the wrong side of the bubble. They're not in the first yeah. four out conversation. They're beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at the last six games, you have two, you know, reasonably winnable games against um, Maryland and Indiana. And then you have four opportunity games against right. teams that are going to be, you know, one, two seeds, basically. Um, you know, uh, a game against Illinois, a game against Ohio State, two games against Michigan. So, as of yesterday, I was like, if they go three and three in there, right, and and beat yeah. and win the two winnable games, and then pick off an upset, and then get a win or two in the Big Ten tournament, like I think they're on. I think they're on the bubble on Selection Sunday by going out and and getting the upset right off the bat. 
right? Like, I feel like it's... Mm-hmm. Point being, I feel like if some people saw them lose to Illinois last night, they'd be like, all right, well, that's it. It's over. Right. I, I didn't right. see it. Which, not true. I yeah. didn't see it that way. Right. It was more look at the six. Don't look at one by one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went and beat Illinois. And not only beat Illinois, but they looked really good. They looked like right? the yeah. team that we kind of had envisioned here. And suddenly lineups are actually have some cohesion to them and you know yeah there's still questions here and there and they don't have a true point guard in the traditional sense but it ain't what it was which was pretty mm-hmm. dysfunctional um you know the crazy thing is is if there were a couple earlier games had gone a different way we'd be having very different conversations about Michigan State if they didn't blow that game against Purdue in the last 10 minutes you know they had that game won right. back um in early January um, you know, if you turn that into a W, you know, they're right now probably in that first four out conversation. Um, so I don't think they're that, that far off. Uh, shit, you go and beat Ohio state on Thursday yeah. night. Now, now not only are you probably very much back in the picture, but now you're a team that no one wants to play Yeah, right. <laughs> in the yeah, bracket, the right? Like going, who's yeah. going to be the five seed that pops up on the bracket and it's like, are you shitting me? We have 12 right. seed Michigan state. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I can definitely see that playing out. So, yeah, I mean, a big breath of life. And Aaron Henry is just playing like an absolute killer right now. Yep. Uh, Josh Langford going out and getting 16 rebounds, which might be the most obs- <laughs> obscure, bizarre stat that I've seen. And, you know, a lot of it's, uh, you know, got other guys boxing out players and him going and being the one that get the rebound. But still, he had 16 rebounds. His previous career high was 10 and he, right. and he did it against Illinois, who's leading the Big Ten in rebound margin. Um, yeah, that, it was just a kind of a crazy game. And this team now has the juice behind it for sure. And you know the way it is when teams start to see oh, yeah. shots go in, teams start to see wins, teams start to build this whole it's us against the world. And now suddenly everything's different. And, yeah. you know, Michigan State's always had talent on paper. It just wasn't working in any way. So they're healthy now. Gabe Brown, I think, is huge in what he can do for this team and what he can do for the lineup possibilities that they trot out there. Um, yeah. And Ohio State, you know, they'll be whatever. A, I'll probably say a six, seven-point favorite in that game would be my guess. Right. But that's a winnable game for Michigan yeah, State. I mean- um, it's, not, it's not out the realm of possibility. And how it would be very, very juicy if we can get into a situation where you're going into the last week and there's a back-to-back Michigan-Michigan State games with Michigan State, you know, very much back in the NCAA tournament picture, Michigan closing out a Big Ten championship. I mean... That's the good stuff right there. There you go. It doesn't always take <laughs> it doesn't always take one to turn it around. That's but, the good you know, stuff. This, this, That's what this we're time, here for, folks. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't always take one to turn it around, but this time of year, um, sometimes. It, you know, I mean shit, sometimes it can take one half. Yeah. You know, they, they went and scored fifty two points in the second half against Indiana. Right. Fifty two points. And then, this is the yeah. same team that scored fifty eight in a game against Iowa, which is impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> A really good, uh, like, low major can score in the 70s against Iowa. So. <laughs> oh, Fran. Oh, Fran. Still hanging in there. <laughs> well, we want to get into today's topic, which is uh, we're going to go across the state here to Juwan Howard, Michigan, as they are the uh, probably the top story around these parts right now. Um, and, you know, Brendan, it's, um, 
pretty crazy, I would say. <laughs> I, I just, I obviously I'm not following it as much as I once did, but you know, I peek in on college basketball whenever I can, and it seems like every time I catch Michigan, it's the same thing. It's just this consistent, calm, under control, discipline, you know, like tough, efficient, whatever, and they just don't seem to get rattled. They don't seem to get, you know, pushed off their spot. And if you look back to the day Juwan was hired, and I know we've talked about this before, but that's kind of where I want to start with this. They just saw three kids that they've got in the class coming next year get McDonald's All-American uh, nods. I believe that's the first of any kind since, what, 2002? 2002, Daniel Horton. And Daniel time. and Horton is probably the only guy to do that since the mid-90s, I would think, somewhere in there. So, <laughs> I mean... I know you've probably been asked this a thousand times, but this is pretty crazy here. This this Juwan Howard run that they're on, this his ability to come in here, uh, inherit a situation that already had strong footing, obviously, with what John Beeline was able to do. But I don't think anybody expected this in their wildest dreams, not even Ward uh, or anybody else who really pushed for Juwan to get this job. I'm not sure maybe Juwan did, but probably not. I mean, this is this has been something. This is, this is National Coach of the Year type stuff. Right. This is... This is big stuff, and um, we kind of wanted to take that apart today. So, when when you describe this team or the job that you know he's doing right now, I guess what what's the first sort of thing that comes to mind when you when you go through it? Well, I mean, f- first of all, to speak to like the there's there has been this intense curiosity around Juwan mm-hmm. ever since that introductory press conference, without a doubt, and I feel like it's all built from that moment. Yeah. Right. And he was aware of it. Um, we were all aware of it. Um, I think there was both genuine curiosity of a guy who hadn't coached in college basketball, hadn't been around yeah. college basketball in a quarter century, had never been a head right. coach, had never recruited. Um, right. All these things. Yeah. His resume, I mean, speaks for itself as in terms of basketball. Right. Yeah. 19 years as a pro, six years in the best, you know, one of the best organizations in a league, working for Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. Like, mm-hmm. the guy knows the game, the guy knows what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. But does that transfer to college? Right. Right. That was kind of the, the question for people like you and people like me and just like, man, how's this going to go? Like, this is just kind of wild and it's a little bit of a gamble. And um, we both remember how defiant kind of Ward Manuel was about that idea that this hire was a gamble. He was not, Yeah, he did not Big play time. into that. And, and um, his opening press conference, he, he spoke out about it, um, if anything. And then there was, you know, if we're being honest here, Nick, like there was also this like a kind of other side of the questions of Juwan Howard's coaching where it's like, oh, can he X and O and blah, blah, blah. And you're yeah. like, ah. Uh, Does he know what he's doing at all? What are we talking about here? Right. You yeah. know? Like, yeah, that one was where's, never really. Where's yeah. that question coming from, folks? You know what uh-huh. I mean? It was always just yeah. kind of shrouded in like, let's not act like we don't know where that idea is coming from, people. Right. You know what I mean? And right. uh, we don't need to belabor the point. But like anyone who doesn't think that that was there is out of their mind because it, it existed right. and it wasn't that far off the surface in a lot of places. So, um, you know, I think, and I think Juwan was aware of all of it um, in, in hindsight. And when, when it came to 
him getting the reins here. Um, I've been most impressed with his ability to relate to his guys and to do so with by just being himself. And it is right. so genuine that I remember Isaiah Livers at the introductory press conference saying, like, you know how I know he's not phony? is because he can't fake the way that he speaks to us. Mm-hmm. And he said it was something to that extent, right? And it mm-hmm. was really, mm-hmm. it kind yeah. of, it resonated because, you know, I was like, what's going to be, you know, Xavier Simpson's buy-in here, right? Like that was a big question early on because it was kind of Xavier Simpson's team. Oh, yeah. How is yeah. he going to relate to Juwan? How is Juwan going to relate to him? And, you know, Juwan found a way to kind of match up with everyone. And I, I think he, he manages um, his team by kind of the strength of his personality. And and then his knowledge of the game just speaks for itself at this point. I mean, the stuff they run is high level. Uh, the offense is great. The defense is great. He's recruiting three All-Americans. I mean, you're just like, what else can this guy be doing right, right now? I mean, it's just crazy how well it's working out. And, you know, I have a feeling... Ward is probably in his basement somewhere sipping on something saying, well, <laughs> that worked out pretty well. You know, yeah. uh, let's, let's, let's not open any of the emails on the football side of things, but this, uh, this is all working out very well. So, uh, yeah. And like for, for Michigan, like if you want to really go big picture on this thing for Michigan, you know, you lose the maybe whatever you know if some people want to make an argument about where beeline stood whatever on his way out he was the best coach he's the best coach in program history right so i mean yeah another guy won a national championship but whatever yeah yeah you lose the best coach in program history right basically in the span of a week you know just kind of out of nowhere um in the middle of the night what what went what went from being just a pillar of stability not only in the Big Ten, but nationally, um, you know, Michigan just had it going, man. They had the kids coming in, you know, yeah, they lost some guys here and there, but it was just rolling along and they would have kept on winning 26 games a year as long as John Beeline wanted to keep on winning Yeah, 26 games a year, you know, and, and a Final Four here and there and maybe a national title. Who knows what would have happened? Um, and you go from that level of comfort like we talked about, I remember us talking about this. Like, yeah, man, how lucky is Ward Manuel? They just doesn't even have to worry about basketball. He doesn't worry Ever. about NCAA yeah. violations. He doesn't have to worry about you know guys getting in you know really serious trouble. He doesn't need to worry about any of this, you know. And now, boom, like that, it's gone. And and then you bring in Juwan Howard, and this, I, I am. I actually went back this morning and re-listened to a podcast that Dylan and I did when he got hired. Yeah. And one of the things I said in it was like, I got to tell you, I think the ceiling for this hire is enormous. Right. Yeah, exactly. And at the same time, this could go the floor is so low. wrong. You <laughs> okay. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's really, I mean, I think that was a logical way of, of, of seeing it even, um, even now in hindsight. But he comes in and he retains one assistant. He brings in Phil Martelli. He brings in Howard Isley. He retains other staff members. Kind of is able to borrow enough from the Beeline era. Insert his own stuff. Have this very smooth transition where 
you know, he was such a big force that not everything was compared to Beeline. It's just really wild how this has yeah. all gone um, in, in in the big, you know, when what we're trying to do here now is, and take this big step back and kind of look at this thing from 10,000 feet. It's it's interesting because, you know, when I look back on it, um, and I, I was covering it at the time for the Free Press, obviously, the whole search and everything else. It's doing a hell of a um, job of it. And yeah, that was uh, during maternity or paternity leave, number one, <laughs> if right. I remember right. That's right. And so I, I remember looking back on it and just being like, you know, I'd followed Juwan's career to a degree, obviously, from covering Michigan and, you know, being around it. And really because, you know, you knew what he, you know, when, when you know, LeBron and Bosch and those guys got to Miami, he, that's when he started with the Heat and then he goes to moves to the bench. And I remember hearing in like the mid 2000s, 2010s anyway, that maybe he was on a track to be like a front office guy or something like that. Maybe he was, you know, yeah. he was so, he was so highly thought of in league circles. And I knew that. And so I remember thinking, well, I know he knows the game. Uh, I know he can coach, but my thing was, you know, is he going to be able to do all the things day to day in game, you know, make the, you know, whatever that a head coach has to do that you don't really get as an assistant. And so in that sense, I remember thinking, you know, that's going to be, you know, probably the big challenge here, but I think I was in agreement with you in that, you know, the ceiling of it, if it worked out, was going to be pretty crazy. And then I think it actually got to, because if I'm remembering right, they hired him and then they had to wait like a, a week or something like that before they introduced him. Yeah, remember the, there was that holiday. weird span of time where he like wasn't on yeah. campus yet and no one really knew what the hell he was going wasn't on. Around. <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember like when they hired him, the day that, you know, it was official or whatever, I remember, you know, that was my, I was like, okay, this is probably risky. Uh, not impossible that it could work. Obviously, he's going to have recruiting cachet. He's going to be able to go in. Everybody knows who Juwan Howard is. But then when I heard what he was doing with the staff, that's when I was like, uh, okay, you know what? This might be like fast-tracked here. This this could you know really be something in that you bring in a guy like Martelli who at the time you know was looking for something to prove on his end. I mean, it was a perfect, mm-hmm. perfect situation. Uh, you're able to retain Saudi. You bring in Howard Isley. I mean, the the stuff he did by surrounding himself with people who um, had expertise in areas that he didn't, uh, I thought was like when that started. I remember thinking, okay, well, this this might work out, you know, faster right. than you realize. And then it then it started to click. I think I went to because um, I was still covering Michigan hoops that summer, I guess, and I went to. Uh, like I think Livers was playing at uh, that thing in Lansing that uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. <laughs> Moneyball. Yeah, I went up there once um, for that because I think Livers and Simpson and maybe a couple other kids were there. And I remember talking to Isaiah a little bit. Just we were just waiting for them to play, and we were talking, and he mentioned something about you know Juwan because he was so excited the day that he was hired. This is you know two months later, and he was like he just. He just has this. I don't remember what he said exactly, but it was like he has this ability to. He's like one of us, and it's like. I'm not bullshitting you when I say that. He's really like one of us. And then it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, this guy, this guy played college basketball in the biggest pressure cooker any kid, five kids, whatever, has ever seen in the modern era. There is no college, probably in college athletics. Is there a college athletics team, major football or men's basketball that went under, that had the national, you know, spotlight on them brighter than the Fab Five in the last 40 years? No. If there are, I don't know what that is. So. He was on that team, so that was his introduction into major, you know, major hoops. He goes and he plays in the NBA for like 15 years. And when LeBron James and Chris Bosch decide to go to the Heat, which was 
uh, about the biggest story in sports in quite a while before or since at the time. It was seismic. He's in the middle of that too. So you, you pull yourself back and you say, okay, well, this guy has been in like the highest pressure situation as a college player, the highest pressure situation as a pro. Uh, he's been on the bench with you know a really established staff working for Pat Riley. He was a top recruit in high school. Everybody in the world wanted him. There is literally nothing, nothing that a college basketball player can go through you know, on the court, off the court, in a general life that he hasn't yeah. done himself at a higher level. And that, I think, is when it hit me like, this, if the staff, you know, sort of gels together and they get some wins in recruiting, this could be a terrific situation for Michigan because this is this is the perfect type of modern college basketball hire, in my opinion, Juwan Howard is. I mean, there's nothing that you could put in front of him right now, you know, from, from that lens that he hasn't seen. And I think it translates to all those kids. You can see how they play for him. You can see how he coaches for them. And it's ideal. I mean, it's what a lot of places right now wish they had, if you're, if we're being honest, that you look around and you see a lot of these coaches frustrated, screaming, yelling, losing their damn mind right. all the time. That is not happening here. And I got to tell you, younger kids today, they don't react to the screaming and yelling and everything else the way that maybe they once right. did. And I think you got to have guys like, like this that understand that. And it's just, I think that that's been the big thing that's carried over is like, he's just in lockstep with those kids and it is just eye to eye right here and you're relating to them. And I think that's so important. And it's like, there can be yelling and screaming and there can be oh, yeah, of course. fire, yeah. right? But it's, what does it look like? What do you say? And right. how do you say it? Right? Like, I remember when I did a story on kind of Juwan's NBA life, um, yeah. which I should reshare. Now that I think of it. There you go. But uh, <laughs> uh, back end stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, that, I, that ran like in, before yeah. he coached his first game at Michigan. And one of the, my kind of favorite anecdotes to, that I got out of it was talking to Eric Spolstra and him telling me about the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. And it was yep. Game Six. They're playing the Pacers, and uh, I think Miami could win and close it out. or Yeah, and they'd, or, and they'd lost the year before, right? right in the finals. I think that's yeah. right. Or lose right. And, and force a game seven, and now, you know, who knows. Yeah. Um, and Miami came out and just played like ass in the first half, right? Just looked flat, blah, blah, blah. Um, Spolstra does his, you know, whatever, walk off the court interview, mm-hmm. and he's filled with piss and vinegar, and he's ready to go in there and just unload on these guys at halftime. And he's walking down the tunnel, and as he gets closer to the locker room, all he hears is one voice. Yeah. And he gets closer to the locker room and he realizes, he's standing outside the door and he realizes Juwan, who at this point is on the team in uniform. Yeah, he's playing. Right, yeah. Is yeah. in the middle of the room just undressing everyone in the locker room and like was throwing bottles of water, freaking out at everyone and just basically challenging everyone. Mm-hmm. And like Spolster was like, oh, I didn't say anything. Like, this is him telling me this all these years later. He's like, I didn't say anything at that halftime. I was like, well, Juwan got it. You know, we're good. Yeah. And they went out and beat him in the in the second half. And like, point being, like, I feel like that's, you know, Juwan yeah. today is pairing this ability to, you know, speak to guys the way that they want to and deserve to be spoken to and will respond to. But then is also doing it with the basketball acumen that's at the highest Oh yeah, level, 100%. right. Because if you're just 
able to relate to guys, but you can't draw up the play out of the timeout. What the hell does that really matter? You know, right. the, I, I, the real success of Juwan is the the person and the coach mm-hmm. combined. And, and that's why it's working right now. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that it's happened this fast, I think. It's not crazy that it's happened. But it's it's sort of crazy that it's happened this fast, I guess. And when you when you look back at how this is all gone, maybe maybe it shouldn't be crazy. Well, he, I, guess, I mean, he did inherit because, a good thing. Yeah, and I think that's important to note as well. I mean, you know, he inherited a situation where he had a senior point guard. He inherited a kid like Livers, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to lead no matter what. I mean, I you, they could have hired a yeller and screamer and a guy who was like an asshole, and Isaiah would have played for him. Right. You know, that's the kind of kid yep. he is. Franz, so, I mean, Franz's got, recruitment was already had yeah, legs. Right, they needed right. to close it. I mean, the the story all these years later, the fact that Franz's official visit was the day Beeline left is still one of the great <laughs> bizarre right, moments yeah. of, of right. symmetry that you could come up with. He was flying to Detroit the day Beeline accepted the Cavs job right. and was Which on his OV while like... DeAndre Haynes and Luke Yaklich and Saudi Washington were like walking around being like, uh, did we just lose our jobs? What the hell is going on yeah. here? Right. And like trying to text their, their, the their fellow coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They're like texting their buddies in the professions, making sure if they need a job or yeah. not, you know, and being like, Oh, by the way, yeah, Franz, let's go get you a steak at Ruth's Chris. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we got to get you to stay here. So he, he does inherit a good situation. And, you know, and he's also able to go out and recruit. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the other part, too. You know, I can remember uh, when I was at Free Press and, you know, Orion, who's obviously covering Michigan there still now, he went down to the Peach Jam right. uh, the first year that uh, Juwan was there. And I remember him telling me the story that, like, he's like, you know, I'm sitting there in the bleachers and um, and we're watching a game or whatever, and all of a sudden... Uh, everyone in the building sort of stands up and walks over to the door. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And it it was Juwan. He, Juwan Howard had walked in and he was like, everyone in like the building had stood up, walked over there. And, you know, and that's when it was like, okay, well, he's probably going to be able to recruit too because, mm-hmm. oh my God, everyone knows who he is. Juwan this is ridiculous. Howard, right. And his personality comes through. So when you look at all of these things... Uh, you know, the way they're playing, the way he's recruiting, the way he's developing, they're this is a problem for the Big Ten, my it man. Is. This is this yeah. is a problem for the rest of the league. This is a problem for guys like Cal Perry right now, I would I would say. Dare I I mean, is he he's out recruiting Kentucky or at least recruiting with Kentucky on their level, I which mean, is I'm nuts. I'm sure he's not happy about it. And like <laughs> the irony being when when Juwan <laughs> was was considering the job, he reached out to Cal. Yeah. And Cal said, you know, yes, you should do it. You will be successful. Cal's the one that recommended he hire Martelli. Yeah. Like, right. Juwan had never met Martelli. Didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, he might have even knew who he was. He And he hired Phil on Cal's recommendation. And now Cal's like, well, come on. What? <laughs> <laughs> he might have known. Not I ideal. Mean, he might have, you know. Yeah, I mean, that'd be known. a great question for him. Maybe, yeah. maybe he'll take my call. Yeah, I just, it's, it's been a, it's been a, Pretty crazy ride, and I guess at this point, you know, maybe the question would be is is whether or not it's sustainable. And I, I, there are times when I watch Michigan and I feel like 
they kind of go back and forth with me on this team of like they're either in I feel like sometimes they're just in that unconscious like you're, you guys are just in this crazy zone and at some point you're gonna wake up and it's gonna be a little rocky and you're gonna have to go through it and then there are other times where I'm like I don't know if they're in a crazy zone this just might be what they are and if it's the latter um I gotta tell you I don't know how many teams they can't run through in this right now and I mean you look at what they've got coming in right down the road, everything else. I mean, it seems sustainable to me, at least in the, in the current moment. You never know what, what goes long-term, but I mean, it's just no, pretty I, wild to think I about. I mean, for, so first a note on the recruiting side of things. Uh, Dana O'Neill, our, our colleague, put together mm-hmm. a story recently on, on Big Ten and it's the national championship drought and blah, blah, blah. But she put together some numbers. Uh, so 2001 to 2019, McDonald's All-Americans – yeah. And their distribution among the conferences, right? 129 to the ACC, by far the most, because Duke, North Carolina, whatever. Uh, SEC, 79. I, I would imagine half of those went to Kentucky. Uh, yeah. Big 12, 66. Big East, 44. And then the Big 10. The Big mm-hmm. 10 had 38 McDonald's All-Americans come into right. the conference between 2001 and 2019. It's a huge swath of time. Only 38 guys, right? Right. Juwan Howard got three this year. (laughs) And, you know, Izzo brought in one. He's got Max Christie coming in. So Michigan State gets one. The rest of the conference, zero. (sighs) And this is the way it's going to be. Like, this league just doesn't recruit like that. No, not that. No. Like, yeah, this is an issue for the league. Yeah. Um. That, that this is now going in this direction. And in terms of this year's team, um, I mean, I, I I bought in fairly early, I, I would say. Um, but in terms of like the most impressive thing that this group has done is, did that pause even happen? Yeah, that's the... That, did, that Wisconsin... I mean, it's game. like it never happened. They, they, they were off the court for two weeks... Yeah, and it came back. It looked like the same exact team, just yeah, just rolling along. Right? They looked like shit for ten minutes against Wisconsin, shook it right. off, uh, got it together, and are just back cooking. So, um, yeah, this team has very real uh, Final Four national championship hopes. And one thing that, like, I don't think can be understated is the importance of what happens in these five weeks. Because I, to me, and I, I feel like you, you having been around different teams with different makeups, like we'll definitely get this. Like you, you rarely get moments in time like this. No, this yeah. team is so old. It has exactly. three legitimate pros on the roster, right? Like the mm-hmm. the the you ha- you having the combination of a Franz Wagner playing with a Hunter Dickinson. And surrounded by all these old guys, your Eli people just forget about Eli Brooks. Eli Brooks right. is still out there and is going seventeen the other day. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. going to hit some huge shots in the NCAA tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and your Sean D. Browns and your Mike Smiths, like the average age on this team is like thirty two. So, like, <laughs> if you want to try to win a national championship, man, like. I know, I know the Juwan Howard era is building, but like, yeah. you can very well make a case that in the next eight years, like this team might be his best chance because it's right. so hard. 
It's so hard to get this makeup. Next year's team is going to be insanely young. Right. And now we're going to get to see, you know, Juwan in kind of that rebuild mode and how does he kind of handle that. Right now we get to see him coach what might be his best shot at a national champion. Yeah, and I think he knows it. I mean, I think that that's, <clears throat> that's pretty apparent. I mean, like you said, you've got a guy like Livers who's a four-year starter, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. That doesn't happen very often. Those are, those are you know, the recipes to make a run start with guys like that. Uh, you mentioned Mike Smith, who's been a pretty terrific addition at a, posi- at a position that is just so insanely hard to adjust to uh, as a graduate transfer. And, and I know that this offense is probably a little... Uh, a little easier to maybe adjust to, although it's not simple. I mean, they run a lot of stuff. They run a lot of action. They run a lot of different things. I mean, his aptitude obviously is on display as well. And then, you know, we've talked about Sean D. Brown. I mean, this is, this guy, this guy, that's the guy, and I probably, I don't know if I've said this on the show here, but that's the guy that Beeline always needed and never, never could get. Like if, if the 13 or 14 teams had a Sean D. Brown on them, they would have won, I think, a national title in either Situation. I mean, this is a six-six stopper, right? Who's cut? Who plays his ass off? I mean, I I was watching that Ohio State game the other day. And what's that possession in the second half? Where I mean, he hit a bunch of threes in the first half, but there's a possession in the second half where I think he gets like two or three offensive rebounds, and and and, and gets a putback, and I think they go back up one, and Ohio State had just thrown like a big haymaker at him the other other end. And it was like, that's the game right there. I mean, that was, you know, any flexes to the bench and the whole thing. It's like, okay, you're not beating them today. And lo- those type of plays and, and athletic effort plays around the rim, that sort of stuff, that's not the stuff that we were used to seeing uh, in the beeline era because he didn't he didn't have kids like that on the team. But all the other things that we were used to seeing, the precision, you know, not shooting yourself in the foot, not, you know, making careless turnovers. This team makes its free throws. I mean, all those things are still happening. So, yeah, when you look at this from where I'm sitting and I look on the outside looking in, I don't see any what I would call a weakness here. And you look at the rest of the the country in college basketball right now, and so much of this is going to be about, uh, you know, during COVID, during a pandemic, everything else. So much of this is going to be about these next five weeks. How close are you as a team? Like how how tight are you? You know, in these situations, how much can you lean on each other to get out of what's going, you know, you're going to have some rough stretches, you're going to have rough moments, you're going to have all this. And they are seemingly, to me, in in lockstep with each other in terms of what they want to do, what their plan is, how they go about it. There's no questions. There's no, this guy's pouting. There's no, this guy's not happy. This guy's whatever. None of that. Like, it's, it's really, really rare to have that. I think in college athletics at any at any point you could have the best team on paper you could possibly build. You know, if they're 20 in 18 to 23, something is probably going to happen along the way that you didn't plan for, you know, a kid having a bad day whatever right. that 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 screws you for lack of a better sure. term. I mean it happens. And I just don't see that with these guys right now. I mean their ability to just sort of roll with the punches that quote that whoever uh, Livers or whoever it was had after that uh, Wisconsin game where, you know, you know, Howard walks into the locker room and says, all right, we're down 12. That's it. Let's go. And that was it. Like, we didn't need to hear anything else. We knew what the score was. We're going to go win the game. Like, there's no pan- panicking or freaking out. And so much of college athletics, college basketball, especially this time of year, is about having the ability to not get rattled. And if you can just maintain for 40 minutes and play your play close to your best, 
you're probably going to win more than you're going to lose because the other team is odds are someone's going to get rattled. Yeah. And if you're the last one to get rattled or shook, you're probably going to be the last one standing. And that's that's sort of what I see on this team. Talent and everything else aside, like I tweeted the other day, I don't think they sweat. I mean, they just, mm-hmm. they're just they just so smooth and calm. And it's for a college team, that is super, super impressive. I haven't seen that from a Michigan team in May ever that, that I've been doing this. And Izzo's had a couple teams like that, but you know, those are the special ones that right. just they just find a way, and this that's what this team looks like to me. And I'll tell you what, like I, that is part of kind of the next thing to see from Juwan as a as a head coach. Yeah, um, is you know he didn't get to coach an NCAA tournament last year. You know this will be yeah, this right. this will be his first go at it, and you know the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. In the final four or five minutes oh, yeah. of an minutes NCAA minute, tournament yeah. game, when you know it's a two-point game and it feels like it is a thousand degrees in the gym, um, <laughs> right. you know, Everyone's and you, you know out. it's just like one bad bounce, and you're just like, oh my god, um, oh yeah, you know, your whole life what is just yeah, right. down to five minutes. <laughs> what is he going to do in the last five minutes of these games? And yeah. Um, uh, you know the the 36 hour prep situations where you know you're playing from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight and think just all these things we haven't seen. It's going to be fascinating um, to watch this guy for the first time in in these various scenarios. Um, like to their credit, someone somewhat you know uh, Michigan just murders teams this year. <laughs> you know they they've been in very few close games actually right. and. Um, you know, even the Ohio State game, which was back and forth, like they randomly got like whatever it was, a six, seven, eight point lead or something like that in the yeah, last minute and basically yeah. just had to close out at the free throw line. Like, you know, an elite eight game drawing up the play out of the timeout with twenty seconds left, like that, that that's gonna be that's gonna yeah, be interesting, be man. Yeah. You know, that's gonna be really cool to see. Um because, you know, he is, and I think he's. I mean, he's admitted this. Like, yeah, he has the the base of knowledge, but he's admitted that he's learning as he goes and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I mean, he is a first time head coach. That's not. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that, right? That's not like a critique or a criticism. It's just the fact that he's never been in that situation. But I mean, it's it goes back to this the the beginning conversation though as well. I mean, you you were he surrounded himself with people who have been in those situations and he surrounded himself with people who, you know, can help him in the areas where, you know, maybe right now he's a little blind to them and in time he'll get better with them. But you know, those are, those are the things that I feel like you just don't see very often um, with younger hires, younger hires and Juwan's a younger guy. So younger hires, they come in, they want to establish themselves. This is mine. This is my team. This is my program. This is my whatever. This is my system. This is whatever. And we heard none of that from him. It was, I'm here because I love this place. Uh, he's not getting paid anything. What's he making? Like a million and a half? Two, mil- or two, two million, million bucks? Million. Like nothing compared not- to a lot of his contemporaries. Yeah. Right. So he's not making any money, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking. He's just here. Well, when you've because- already made a hundred million, <laughs> two million ain't that much, right? <laughs> he's he's here in a lot of ways. I think it, it, you know, for himself, obviously, to get a chance to prove he can do this. But I mean... I did get the sense early on, and I, this probably sounds corny to a lot of people, but it was, um, it's it, it felt like to me that it was his opportunity. It seemed like uh, to repay this place back a little bit, and you know, I meant a lot to him. Everything else, so it's just this really crazy marriage that works out. That you know, at the very beginning when we thought about it, was who knows how it's going to go. And a lot of people, like you said at the top, 
you know, were too quick to just totally dismiss this as there's no way this is going to work. This is ridiculous. And I think a lot of that came from the the shock of losing, you know, the foundational coach that you had. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think anybody would have seen this coming either. That's the, I guess that's the long and short of it, that this has been a crazy, crazy ride. I think somebody asked at the very beginning, like how many McDonald's All-Americans you think he's going to get in the first like five years? And I was like, I don't know, one? <laughs> he gets right. three in his second class. Uh, they're on are on the verge of possible number one seed situation here. I mean, it took Michigan how long to win a Big Ten? When be, I think eighty six to two thousand twelve was the drought they had. Right. He could win one in his second year. I mean, that's nuts. So things have changed, I guess. Uh, Michigan basketball in a pretty good spot. I don't know. That's a pretty good place for Ward Manuel, like you said. Probably sipping on something right what now. What do you he What do you think it's going to kind something. of be like? You, you know. In normal times, Michigan would go to the NCAA tournament and it would be, you know, one of the hottest stories out there. His press conferences would be kind of an event, even though he's not exactly kind of the most, right? you know. Um, yeah, he's not going to sit up there and talk a lot. He's not no. one to startle the horses, really, from the, you know, yeah. from a podium. Right. And especially the more people and cameras that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, he's kind of gradually gotten comfortable with the Zoom calls. But... uh you know, when you're there and you're on that podium and there's, you know, a sea of people in front of you, it's a totally different deal. And I, I don't think you'd be getting much out of him uh, in that press conference setting. But, you know, it's going – we like, we know what's going to happen, right, when they get to March. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Fab Five. It's going to be the alum who comes back and saves his school. Like, it's going to be all these storylines and – I'll be really curious to see what he's willing to play into and not versus being like, this is, I think it's going to be, this is about these guys. It's not about me. It's not about the fab five, this team at this time and what they're doing. That's what we're talking about. And I think it's going to annoy the shit out of a lot of (laughs) national writers and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. He doesn't need, he doesn't need them. Like I don't know how else to put that kindly, but like Juwan Howard, doesn't need any help from any national. I mean, that's that's what a lot of that becomes, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, go up there and sell yourself and sell your program. I mean, he's never had to sell himself. That's yeah. number one. He didn't have to do that. Uh, and then number two, yeah, I mean, I think he's he seems secure enough in himself, you know, in his abilities and his relationship with his team that uh, I would think that he would use it as an opportunity to sell the program. I mean, to sell their vision and sell, you know, they talk about the culture a lot um, and how important that is to him. That's probably, I think, what you'll hear yeah. uh, a lot, of, a lot of in those in those bigger moments. Like if they make a run, you know, and I don't know. I mean, we talked to David Warlock there last week, um, and he talked about how you know those media sessions are going to be a little different. But I mean, they'll still get a lot of play. You know, if they're in the Sweet Sixteen, he's still going to get a lot of time uh, with people. And I, my bet would be that most of this is going to revolve around um, the buy-in that he got from these guys. Um, and, you know, their ability to come in and take what was already a healthy culture right. and really turn it into something completely, you know, 10 steps ahead of that. I mean, that's if we go back and look, I mean, Beeline's culture was very sound and solid and everything else. But I mean, let's not pretend that it didn't wear guys out. Right. Let's not pretend that that his that his way of doing things didn't grind on people. Um, you know, you go back to the end of his last year. I mean, that locker room was exhausted at the end. I mean, that was a great team. They won 30 plus games. They got smoked in the second, what was it, Sweet 16? Mm-hmm. And they were just completely wiped. They were nothing left, right? I mean, it was an exhausting process with Beeline, and you had to have a certain, 
you had to be wired a certain way to handle it. I think this is more of a one-size-fits-all type situation where if you're just willing to come in here and work, it's going to work for you. We'll, you know, They'll find a way to you know, roll with the punches with you. If you're having a rough day, like I, I saw a quote from somebody else, you're having a rough day, you come into practice, you're not feeling it, they can understand that. It's not They're not going to let you off the hook right, and let right. you just go home and pout, but like... It's not going to be this, you know, horrible, ridiculous situation if you're not feeling it that day. So, you know, you take the best parts of, you know, what makes a good pro team and you take the best parts of a guy who's been at every situation a college team can face. And I think that that's what you're looking for. And I look around the country and there's, uh, and this is why I say this is a problem for other people, because there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of guys like Juwan Howard that are just waiting to be hired. Okay. Yeah. Like Jerry Stackhouse and Benny Hardaway, that not the same, Chris, not the same thing at all. Chris, so, Chris Mullen at St. John right, was like the no. obvious hire, right? This can't possibly <laughs> yeah. go wrong. Uh, well, it right. went really wrong. I mean, Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing is at Georgetown right now, yeah. right? So like that would be the one thing I would see somebody like that and say, okay, well maybe, maybe Patrick Ewing would be a similar situation to somebody like Juwan. He's at his alma mater. He played forever, you know, big time yeah, star. And, and know, here's the thing, Patrick Ewing. And, th- and that deal is going the way of Chris Mullen. But he's older too. So, he, you know, he that's, is older, yeah, but yeah, you know, right. they've, they went five and 13 in his first yeah. year in the big East, then nine and nine, then five and 13. Now they're five and eight. Like it's not, they had a bunch of kids transfer out this off season. Like it's not yeah. working. Right. Juwan's so- the outlier. Yeah, yes, he he's the exception. And all these here. NBA hires, like Penny's done some good things at Memphis, but like it's not lighting the world on not fire like, like everyone thought. This it is was what going people to. thought he was. This yeah. is what jo- everyone right. thought yeah. when all those yeah. types of hires have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, people are like, Chris Mullen's going to walk into New York City and get any kid that he wants. Or he's Chris Mullen at St. John's, <laughs> you know, like, and it just hasn't happened. Um, right. But Juwan's just a different guy, and again, yeah. it's the combination of I think his person and his personality and his coaching ability. Um, I want to touch on your point that you just made about uh, John and kind of dealing with with these guys and, and yeah the shift from Beeline to to Juwan Howard. Um, what I always found really funny about the later days Beeline was him want, loving to use the word swagger, right? Oh, I <laughs> love guys with swag. I love guys. We got a lot with of swag, swag right now. <laughs> John liked swagger. John did not like attitude. Right. And yes. find me Great one guy it. who has swagger who doesn't also have attitude. And, right. you know, that's why, you know, Iggy Brasdakis, Jordan Poole, like they just, yeah. it kind of graded, man. It graded. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, that a lot of those kind of relationships always seemed like they were just kind of right on the brink of, you all know, the time. All yeah. the time. And, yeah. you know, to their credit, everyone made it work because everyone had the same goal. In mind, yeah. but don't think people weren't driving each other crazy. Over right. There. <laughs> I mean, that was it was that way the entire time that I covered Bjorn, <laughs> and it was and it was that way a lot of times in a good way. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just like I talk about that to people a lot. I covered every game Trey Burke played at Michigan, and Beeline and Trey were like this a lot. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. was not always the smoothest situation, and a lot of times it was just about getting through it right. and making sure that. You were both mutually beneficial, you know, you were benefiting each other, which at the end of that relationship, when Trey left, he would tell you and he would tell you today, yes, he made me what I, you know, such a better player than I ever thought I could have been. Uh, I'm so glad I went there and played for him and everything else. But you know what? During it, it really kind of sucked for a lot lot of it. And it was hard. It was really hard. And I think a lot of those guys would say the same thing. And it's not that it's not hard with someone like Juwan Howard. 
it's just that you don't feel it as much, I don't think, in the moment, right? Like, you know it's hard, but, you know, when you have a guy who's really embracing you for you, um, the hard becomes a little easier or a little, a little easier to digest, I guess. And, you know, we've been both covered college athletics for a long, long time, longer than anybody cares to admit, I guess, by now. But, like, you, we've been around kids this age for, for 15 years, right? We know how they are. We know how they think. And we know how, you know, their moods can change and everything else. If you can't ride that wave with them, you don't have a team. And, you know, a guy like Juwan Howard, I feel like, is perfectly set up to ride. He's got young kids that are their age right now, too. I mean, like, he's set up to ride that wave with them. And I think that that's really what we're seeing here is a really, really good basketball coach who's also just, in, just you know, completely connected with his team in a way that I don't think we see in many other places right now. Yeah, now it's just a matter of... Winning, See if they can finish it off. Winning in March, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, in the driver's seat for the Big Ten Championship at this point, it's basically keep the train on the tracks and you're fine. Yeah. And then, you know, Michigan, I think it's it's going to have a pretty, you know, Michigan along with Illinois and, and Ohio State. And, you know, if you want to include Iowa, that's fine. But, like, among its final four um, candidate contemporaries – yeah, your Baylor's, your Gonzagas, right, your Villanovas, right. right? Like, I think it's going to be an advantage getting down to Indy early. Early, yeah. Get set up, right? Kind of get your feet under you, play a few games there, understand the atmosphere, the feel of it, these different buildings, get used to just a kind of different vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of avoiding that early round, yeah, right, 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 right. shocker um, where. You know, so a couple teams are going to lose, and it'll be attributed to it being a very strange year and all these things. Like, you know, I feel like those Big Ten teams get a big boost from getting down there a week early. You know, it would, yeah, it's going to potentially suck to be in a hotel for five weeks if you go to the national championship game. <laughs> but you know, right. I'm sure they'd rather go to the national championship game. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be a really interesting run. We will see. Indeed, it's about to start too. I mean, this is uh, March Madness is around the corner. I know. Folks are excited, uh, hopefully, knock on wood again, that uh, everything can go off without a hitch and uh, we can all enjoy it. So you got anything else there today, my man? I think I'm all good. Restaurants right. are are open. Uh, we uh, recommend, obviously, being as safe as possible if you yep. choose to dine in. Uh, I see the sun is out. So yes, maybe some is. dine out options will be uh, starting up, but there are wonderful places. Uh that I'm sure would love your business. So maybe tonight, make it a night where you uh, you go support your local businesses, and when you do, make sure you tip your bartenders and service.